Welcome to the Locking Castle podcast. This Sunday morning's teaching was given as part of the wonderful series. You get asked to speak on mighty gods, and imagine with Dave leading the worship this morning, that the time before was going to be absolutely loud and very, very powerful. And what happens? We have a beautiful, quiet time of quiet worship and saying who Jesus is. Same Jesus. <laughs> Same Jesus. Same Jesus last week, wonderful counsellor. Same Jesus. This week, mighty God. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, in one of the darkest periods of Israel's history, the prophet Isaiah foretells the Messiah. Four names celebrated and explored in this Advent season. Last week, Counselor. This week, Mighty God. El Gibor had to look that one up. The God of strength, the God of power, God our hero, and God our warrior. I ask myself and I ask all of us, do you need strength in your life? And I look round, and the average age, as I said before in the earlier congregation, was about 133. I'm only 131. So uh, I felt quite at home there, though. Uh, But I ask you, some of you younger people as well, do you need strength in your life? Do you need a hero to deliver you? Do you need a warrior rather than a worrier? Do you need a warrior either to help you win your battles or sometimes to win them for you? I do. Jesus is, if it doesn't sound too sexist, your man, mighty God. Mighty God in what way? First of all, mighty in creation. The New Testament reveals that Jesus is the mighty or powerful God who created everything. John 1, 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1, 16 to 17, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Mighty in coming as a baby and then a man, showing by his life what is possible for a human being, fully yielded to the will of the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I had a few discussions with various people about what Jesus gave up when he came to planet Earth. Did he give up all his divinity? And was he just a man fully yielded to his Father and fully full of the Holy Spirit, but a man full of those things? Did he give it all up? And I have various answers from various people I talk to. Age 12, Jesus, the commandment says, honor your father and mother. 
So what on earth are you doing staying in Jerusalem, arguing or whatever you were doing in the temple with the people leading the Jews in the temple and your parents have gone off for t on the way home to Nazareth for two days? Uh, is it more important? Jesus, were you God doing that? Uh, what happened when you came back to see your parents again? Did you just stick two fingers up to them and say, oh, I've got a bigger mission on planet Earth? Um, and uh, when Jesus walked on water and Peter didn't quite manage it very well, was it because Jesus was God? Or was it because Jesus was a human being and he'd given up temporarily a lot of those things to do with the godness and he was actually just moving uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The, don't try this at home, walking on water. We were out for a walk yesterday, <laughs> yesterday morning. And this car stopped. We almost finished our walk, fairly close to where we live. And uh, they said, um, uh, the woman said, you're not walking along there, are you? We said, what, what, why is that? She said, well, it's about, it's about that, I think she said. Or well, that may have been a walker that came by that said that, but it's about that deep in water. We didn't have our wellies on. We just had our trainers. And uh, we thought, shall we turn back? No, we are Christians now. We will, and we believe in a mighty God. Therefore, if we do get into difficulties, he will do something for us. Unfortunately, it wasn't that difficult to walk on water yesterday morning. But generally, I think most of us would be just like Peter. And we'd start looking at the waves and we would start sinking, yeah? There's a big question there for home groups. In our home group, uh, when we've been discussing some of the things to do with the course that we've just been doing, Suddenly, you see how human we all are. And I'm fairly new in the group, and they all like, look like wonderful Christians, young Christians in their 30s and 40s. Sorry, Kat, in their 50s. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you think, you, you know, you, you think you're just so wonderful. You know, when you're as old as I am, you'll discover how difficult life is. And then suddenly, when you're discussing those things, you find out how human all those people are. And we do need him in his strength and power. And we'll come back in a minute to see what is available. Jesus, mighty in giving his life up to death on a cross, that we might be forgiven and saved and live forever. Not just singing forever, Dave and colleagues. Not just singing but wow, you have shown me, my, one of my favorite verses at the moment, I've shared this with you before, I think. You have shown me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And as I said, I looked, at, looked around in the first service and wondered what pleasures meant to the earlier congregation and what they mean to me. And sometimes as Christians, we think that's a dirty word for Christians. You know, we are here to follow the straight and narrow, and we will be doing that forever. No, Jesus has pleasures with him forevermore. Sometimes, I haven't mentioned sport, and we're five minutes in, but sometimes, sometimes 
things like whatever it is, and then I feel guilty. And yet other times God says it's all right. My wife doesn't say it's all right. All right, but God says it's all right. And at other times you know it's taking over again, uh, the place of God in your life. But he has pleasures forevermore with his people, whatever that may mean. Mighty on that resurrection morning, showing death is not the end of the story. Death has been defeated. I may have mentioned before the gravestones in the uh, big, quite, quite big graveyard in Cheddar. Each time I visit there, there seem to be more people I knew there. Neighbours, sport colleagues, people I've taught with, even people I've taught. Death can seem so outrageously final and powerful, especially when, like me, you hobble into your 50s. Plus. Mighty God defeated it. Hallelujah. Whenever we feel he hasn't, I'm actually in my 70s, and it gets a bit creepy sometimes, a big question of uh, what's going to happen soon. He has defeated it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to die, but he's got it sorted for those who believe and have put their trust in Jesus. A little bit different when you get after the resurrection, because suddenly Jesus is walking through closed doors and appearing to his disciples, a different sort of body. So perhaps he's reclaimed more of the previousness of being God. I, I don't know. There's a lot of argument about these things. But mighty in his ascension back to the Father's right hands. 2,000 years. And then we look into the future. We haven't got time to deal with the 2,000 years now. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. A new heaven and a new earth with Jesus as Lord and King for everyone there and forevermore. But in terms of the 2,000 years and in terms of the now, is Jesus mighty now? I first experienced Mighty God in an upstairs room in Swansea. It was a dank January morning in 1973, 7am. During those minutes, I knew I was made by him and for him to worship him and serve him, that he could be trusted, that his greatness in terms of both power and love were definite. Somewhat a roller coaster since. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Girt big questions, especially about deliverance and healing, for example. Some great answers to prayer, some silences, as I've just said, many questions. Yet daily readings, this last few weeks in John's Gospel, chapter 14, 12 to 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And I'll challenge you how often verses like that from Scripture have come back to haunt us and make us question 
and sometimes to make us give up on the supernatural nowness of the Christian faith. And then God breaks through in a situation and he says, actually, it's more of this that I want for you as a church, as an individual Christian, or whatever. Lately, I've been looking back thinking, why aren't I experiencing his love and power like I have at times in my life? Then you get asked to speak about mighty God at church. And the spiritual mirror says, I need him desperately. Otherwise, you are two-faced. Not you, me. Don't preach biblical truths and not be practicing them. It's like preaching about marriage with your wife in row M squirming and even vomiting. Easier to go back to a faith sometimes that just says, believe from a fair distance in Jesus. All right, you accepted him once, but just believe in him from a distance. Try to be good and go to heaven when you die. That's not to take away the fact that we must put our trust in Jesus or we should try to put into practice what the New Testament says about living out a Christian life or the fact that we will go to heaven temporarily until the new heaven and new earth and whatever else it has in store when we die. Those things are important. But they're not the be-all and end-all of Christianity now because Jesus Christ is a mighty God now. The question is, do you and I know this mighty God? It depends what know means. I can know someone by their reputation. I've come across them constantly on social media. Anybody who doesn't know what that is, don't ask me. I hear so much about them. It's like I know them, but I don't. Even as a Christian, sometimes I can know so much about God but not experience him daily and put him into practice and let him put us into his practice. Another knowing is to be on first names with someone and fully experience their presence. Who are you? asked Moses. I am who I am, said God. Watch out the Red Sea. Do you and I know this mighty God? Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman Empire as any self-respecting Messiah was supposed to do. And he didn't force his people, the Jews, or his people, the whole human race, to follow him. This mighty God lived a life of service and went to the cross. He understands every problem, temptation, or difficulty that we face. He is touched by what we are going through last week, right now, next week, next year. And this warrior hero wants to sort things for us. Not a hero in sport where I've worshipped sometimes, or music, or politics, or the Beano when I was a boy. Still there, isn't it? But a true hero, love and power incarnate. So... How should we respond to this mighty God? Number one, trust him. 
It's not enough to believe in him. Satan believes in Jesus, but refuses to trust in him, so will never experience his grace and power. Jesus isn't just wise enough to give solutions to our problems. He is strong enough to carry out those solutions, deliver us from our problems, heal us from our diseases, whether physical or mental, and forgive us and free us from our sins. Trust him. He is mighty to save. Number two, love our mighty gods. When asked, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and mind, with all of those three. How do we do that? This church had a sermon series recently on this subject. Remember, love is not an emotion, though it includes emotions. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Love is an action. We choose to love Jesus by spending time with him every day in his words and in prayer. But the overall number one is to show our love by obeying him. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will do what I say. Number three, serve our mighty gods. What does this mean? I never played tennis until my mid-twenties, so nobody taught me how to serve. Last Monday, or the Monday before, in a league match at Burnham, we were crucified by two 40-year-olds who had been taught to serve. The Apostle Paul was a great Christian in the early church and a great leader, but more than anything, he just wanted to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. He wanted at the end of his life, to hear Jesus speak to him those six glorious words, well done, good and faithful servant. Before his conversion, Paul had mighty power over people. Death, for example, for Christian believers. After the Damascus Road experience, the mighty power of Jesus Christ was in his life, in spreading the good news, helping to build the early church, healing the sick and delivering those enslaved to the devil. But he suffered intensely, physically, mentally, and sometimes spiritually. He died early because he served Jesus, the mighty God. I said in the first service this morning, what happened with Jesus in Gethsemane? Was that real? Did he really feel that he had a choice? Or was he just following some automotive uh, thing that had been pre-planned? Or was it real? He suffered intensely. And Paul was the same. Despite the power of God being working in his life, he suffered intensely. And some sermons that I, I read online to do with this subject were very much one way. God solves all of your problems, and he solves them straight away. And others said... He doesn't do that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> that was just when he was on earth as Jesus, uh, the mighty God. He doesn't do that anymore. You just pray and just get on with going to some counselor or something, not necessarily a Christian, but get them to sort you because he's not interested in your big, bigger picture. Well, he is interested in your bigger picture, but there are no straightforward answers sometimes, as we all know, however much we pray. And usually when it's a big stuff like this finger for me that I joked about with Alison 
a month or six weeks ago, and the BRI are in charge now. And in the next 31 days, uh, I will be called in and they will take the lesion off and test it. And I will know, perhaps, whether, well, I hope, hope not whether I'm going to live or die. But something like that, perhaps. They're very big. And despite who you ask to pray for you about it, it's still there. So do we just give up? on the supernatural bit? Paul understood the mighty God Jesus came to earth as a baby, not to be served, but to serve, and we need to follow his example. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our example, our mighty, all-powerful God, our warrior, our hero, trust him, love him, serve him. I speak to myself and to all of us, and this is one side of those sermons I looked at, but I'm more on this side with the provisos in brackets. But sometimes we need to take those brackets away and move on it and ask other people to pray for us, to help us move on it. There's no obstacle in your life too big for him to move. There is no disease in your body that is too advanced for him to cure. And there's no sin in your life that is too sinful for him to to forgive. I'm very, very glad about that, aren't you? Things that I've done in the past, I've asked forgiveness for, but they still crop up in my conscience sometimes as though they haven't been dealt with. There's nothing that's too big for him to forgive. There's nothing too big for him to heal. And there's no obstacle in your life that's too big for him to move. Just don't put too many brackets in the way and say, oh, that can't be me, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.